Seltzer Kings Podcasts. Hey, are you into werewolves, mad sciences, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. Hi, podcast listeners. Stay tuned after the show for a brand new Fulcrum with Stephen with a PH for legal reasons, Bannon. The following podcast contains... Now, cursing is not something that most comedians do. Sorry for cursing. I want you to stop cursing. I've been, I've been using all the wrong swear words. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you totally obstructed justice in the face of the FBI director, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, May 19th, 2017 presenting President Pence edition of the show where we talk about how small of a building the Trump presidential library will need. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you this week by the corpse of Roger Ailes. In the history of America, few corpses have influenced the dim-witted, moracious, moronic fuckwits like dead Roger Ailes. His brand of incendiary right-wing propaganda and barely-coded racism literally created the right-wing echo chamber that has fundamentally damaged American society in a way we may never repair. When they write the history of the end of our republic, they will look on the corpse of Roger Ailes as serial sex abuser and literally one of the worst human beings of his time and remember how he got disgustingly rich by pandering to the worst people in our fucked-up country. We here at the What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast truly wish there was indeed a hell so that you would spend eternity forced to submit sexual favors to various barbed cocked demons. Rotten peace, you miserable fuck. Now I want to take this opportunity to give you some advice. Over the course of your life, you will find that things are not always fair. You will find that things happen to you that you do not deserve and that are not always warranted. But you have to put your head down and fight, fight, fight. Never, ever, ever give up. Things will work out just fine. Look at the way I've been treated lately. Especially by the media. No politician in history, and I say this with great surety, has been treated worse or more unfairly. There is, in fact, no Chinese saying about living in interesting times. It's hashtag fake news. Always has been. That being said, we live in some interesting fucking times. So interesting, in fact, that many Americans would rather crawl down a hole with a soft blanket and a bottle of something mind-erasing. And those are the people who are engaged with the times. Many, many more simply watch Fox News and have their minds erased without chemical assistance. Still, we, as responsible Americans, cannot ignore the reality before our eyes. Times are... Very interesting. What do you mean, very interesting? It was stupid. Yes, it was stupid. Let's pick up where we left off last Friday when we discussed the firing of FBI Director James Comey by the president because he was, quote, tired of the Russia thing, unquote. He fired Comey on Tuesday the 9th, and then on the 10th, he met with the Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov 
and Ambassador Kislyak in the Oval Office. You might have heard that name before. No American news media were invited to cover the event, but a Russian photographer was president and documented the meeting, along with any other classified material that Trump just left lying around. But it turns out that was totally unnecessary because Trump discussed with the Russians intelligence information of the highest possible classification. I'm talking dead alien storage levels of classification. I mean... I would tell you, but I have to kill you levels of classification. It was intelligence from another country who gave us said intelligence on the precondition that we not give it to the Russians or indeed anyone else. So Trump totally gives it to the Russians. On Monday, the Washington Post reported this when then the Trump administration came out on Monday night and vigorously denied that that is in fact what happened right up until the time the next morning when Trump tweeted he totally did give the intelligence to the Russians. Come on, man. Damn. Then just a couple of hours before I started recording this show, he, we also learned that he told the Russians that he had fired Comey because of Russia and it took great pressure off of him and now he could start negotiating. Seriously. This guy wants to be fucking impeached. As the White House reeled from this series of self-inflicted wounds, the New York Times reported that now former FBI Director Comey had written detailed memos about the times President Trump totally asked him to obstruct justice by dropping the investigation into Mike Flynn shortly after he'd fired Flynn for his lying about ties to the Russians. All of this is the political and legal equivalent of placing a loaded and cocked pistol down the front of your pants and immediately blowing your balls off. Now, all of a sudden, the largely theoretical Democrat wet dream of impeaching Trump is being uttered by persons who possess the power to actually do it. Representative Carlos Carbello of Florida and then Justin Amash, a Republican from Michigan, told a reporter Wednesday that if the allegations against the president were true, it would be an impeachable offense. Representative Jason, future Fox News host Chaffetz, took time off from his search for a nice place in New York convenient to the Midtown Fox Studios to request all the Comey memos and state that he would subpoena them if necessary. John McCain, the guy who opened the doors for Trump with Sarah Palin, said to a dinner meeting of Republicans the events of the past week are reaching Watergate in size and scale. If this list is depressingly short... It's remarkable that it has any Republican names at all. After all, the GOP has spent the past four months, indeed the past seven months, indeed the past year and a half, with their headphones jammed in their ears, blasting Lee Greenwood to drown out the growing calls for them to do something, anything, about the president's erratic and dangerous behaviors. God bless what? I totally can't hear you. I'm listening to Lee. This can only go so long. It's gotten to the point they have to acknowledge Trump has stopped up the shitter because of all the turds floating by. That, however, is a turd. And right now, the big brown sharks are schooling around the feet of the GOP, leaving skid marks all over the rotunda floors. Even noted turtle Mitch McConnell said, I think we'll need to hear from him, meaning Mr. Comey, as soon as possible in public to respond to the issues that have been raised in recent days. Really, Mitch? You think? I mean, it's only been six months now that we've been coping with slow-burning shitter fire, but you think now might be the time, huh? And it appears someone has finally called the plumber. 
Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein appointed former FBI Director Robert Mueller as a special prosecutor to investigate contacts between the campaign and Russia and other, quote, related matters, unquote. Miller is a widely respected man on both sides of the political aisle. He served under Bush 2.0 and was retained by Obama into his first administration. He's known to be competent, professional, and apolitical, a mixture that gives him the ability to actually do his job in the rising poo waters of the Potomac. Some things to keep in mind, however, a special prosecutor is not an independent counsel. They can be hired and fired by the Justice Department. I mean, Nixon went through three attorneys general to find one that was willing to fire Archibald Cox. I'm doubting he would have much trouble getting Jefferson Beauregard, I like a good plantation, Sessions to do so, even though Sessions said he recused himself from the case. Across the lamestream media, the consensus is solid. Oh, this is the worst one I ever had, son. Oh, it's the worst one. This is a big one. I'm dying. You hear that, Elizabeth? I'm coming to join you. The smoking gun, the bloody glove, the irrefutable proof that we can use to nail his bronzer-titted carcass to the wall of a Georgetown garage right next to Nixon's. I mean, after all, we have him admitting he fired Comey over Russia to Lester Holt and the Russians. He gave Russia top-secret intel, and then he moved on the Constitution like a bitch. When you're the president, they, they let you do that. And they're probably right. But it won't happen now. It's going to take months. Years. It took two years from the Post to first publishing the, the Watergate stories until the articles of impeachment prompted Nixon to resign for the good of the country. Trump will not resign for the good of anyone. Not even Trump. He can't. He's intellectually incapable of making the kind of nuanced reach of judgment that comes with resigning for the good of the country or to save your own skin. He would resign because he just got pissed off and quit, sure, but not for the good of anyone. So assuming the GOP majority reaches down between their legs, finds their metaphorical testicles, and assuming said metaphorical testicles are not as hairless as a baby's ass, which they totally are, what would it look like to actually impeach the President of the United States. Article 2, Section 4 of the little U.S. Constitution provides the authority to impeach federal office holders for high crimes and misdemeanors, without bothering to explain what exactly either one of those are. Any member of the House of Representatives can bring forth an impeachment resolution for a vote or ask that said resolutions be referred to the appropriate committee for investigation. Practically speaking, any such resolution is automatically referred to the House Judiciary Committee for investigation and recommendation. In the history of the Republic, such a request is not common, but it's not exactly rare either. Presidents Tyler, Buchanan, Johnson, Grant, Hoover, Truman, Nixon, Reagan, both Bushes, Clinton, Obama, and now Trump. Trump has already had these brought forward. They didn't go anywhere. They all received an impeachment resolution in the House. Of that 13, only Andrew Johnson, Richard Nixon, and Bill Clinton went further than a request for a resolution. Johnson was impeached by the House for firing Secretary of War Edward Stanton in a very long and boring story, and he was acquitted by the Senate in 1867. Bill Clinton, you might remember, was actually impeached for lying about a blowjob and creating a nuisance in 1997, only to be acquitted by the Senate on a purely partisan vote. Nixon, ironically, was never actually impeached. 
The articles of impeachment made it out of committee, but Dick got the fuck out before they knew before they could be voted on because he knew he was going it was going to pass in the house and he wasn't going to be acquitted in the Senate. So best case, he was going to have to go pick up the garbage in the snow. If by some chance the articles for Trump made it to a committee, were voted on by the committee and then sent back to the house, they would only need a simple majority to pass. This sounds pretty easy, but for those of us who lived through the Lewinsky proceedings, we can tell you the debate on the floor took slightly less time than it will take for the universe to complete expansion and contract back in upon itself. The first 10 million years were the worst, and the second 10 million, they were the worst too. The third 10 million I didn't enjoy at all. After that, I went into a bit of a decline. Every single member of the House will speak because they need the footage for campaign commercials or because they don't want the footage used in campaign commercials. And after all 438 of them have had their five minutes, there will be a vote, a vote that will quite only honestly happen if 218 members of the House are so afraid they will lose a midterm that they would rather take the risk of impeaching Trump than not doing so. Because honestly, the system sucks. Then the whole shit show packs up its clown cards heads over to the Senate, where all 100 senators will have their turn grandstanding before the cameras. After a glacial epoch of bullshit, the chamber will finally vote on whether to convict or acquit the president of the charges on which he was impeached. It requires a full two-thirds majority, or 67 senators, to convict the president and remove him from office. This has never happened in the history of the United States. Indeed, only six federal officials of any kind have ever been convicted and removed from office by the Senate. The highest one was Robert Archibald, of a federal, a federal appeals court judge, in 1913, who was convicted of bribery. But let's just say Trump keeps on being Trump, and that's a safe bet for anyone to make, and the dominoes keep falling. You never know. He might just pull it off because if anyone could get his dumb ass impeached in this shitty country... It's Donald J. Trump. So let's say, for the sake of funsies, that hard documentation is provided that Trump not only colluded with the Russians, but actually held Vlad Schlong for the PP tape, and that tape runs 24-7 on cable for months. So that, you know, it soaks through, no pun intended, even the densest Fox News watcher. And then, a miracle happens. The Senate convicts Donald John Trump for high crimes and misdemeanors, and the 45th president of the United States is kicked out of office on his crusty orange ass and forced into exile in his Trump Towers in Azerbaijan with only his millions of dollars and his shitty family and a fat new reality show. What happens then? We all get amazingly fall-down, shit-faced, happy-ass drunk. Millions of Americans and people around the world take to the streets, and we all celebrate the victory of democracy over the forces of authoritarianism. We all get naked and run through said streets and wind up in a giant pile of writhing naked flesh, the largest one the world has ever seen, in a giant, gargantuan, consensual, fuckfest orgy on every street in every city in America. It will be fucking amazing. Then we will pass out and wake up the next morning to find President Mike Pence. <laughs> 
Vice President Michael Richard Pence is a former U.S. congressman from and governor of Indiana. Oh, and a Christian theocrat. He's 57 years old, married to a nice lady he calls mother, father to three children, and is a ravening homophobe who advocates the barbaric practice of conversion therapy. He likes popcorn, horseback riding, hates cleaning his gutters. Oh, and he also hates women and believes they should be subservient to men in all things. He stands for strong conservative principles like small government, lower taxes, and mandating that Christians be in the predominant religious sect of the country in violation of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Uh, sounds like a cool guy. Sounds like a jerk. Say what you will about Mike Pence. Say at least that the National Review and I are 100% in agreement on him. In a lot of ways, he might be worse than Trump. Pence, he looks like a politician. Generic white guy, silver hair, bland smile. He actually looks like Roger Sterling got God in a big way and decided he was going to open a mega church. The funny part about Pence is he was just about voted out of office in Indiana, even though his Jesus-stoked republicanism is just the sort of perfect that the Godspell GOP tards in that state love so much. But the thing about him is he's, he's kind of incompetent. From the Rolling Stone article, which I gathered most of this, quote, During my travels across the self-proclaimed crossroads of America, I learned that Mike Pence once had paid his mortgage with campaign funds, dragged his feet during an HIV epidemic and a lead poisoning outbreak, signed an anti-gay rights bill that nearly cost Indiana millions of dollars, lost his mind on national TV with George Stephanopoulos, turned away, and turned away Syrian refugees in an unconstitutional ploy, laughed out of federal court. And he ended his gubernatorial term very unpopular, enough that his re-election bid in a Republican state seemed dicey at best, unquote. I guess compared to the wild gyrations of the great orange herpes blister, Pence seems to some a rock of stability. I mean, to those who don't live in Indiana, he certainly comes across as a sane, normal, even kind of decent guy who was brought on to balance the fuck tune at the top of the ticket. But, uh, Mike Pence... I don't know. I'm trying to find a word that uh, sums him up best. I, I think I'm going to go with fanatic. I want fanatics for God because fanaticism is love. At the 2016 convention, Pence described himself as, quote, I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order, unquote. But he got God later in life. According to the same Rolling Stone article, I found out that he found Jesus at a Christian music festival in Kentucky. Ah, oh, dude, you were so doing music festivals wrong. I mean, I used to go to a lot of dead shows, and I met a fuck ton of guys that looked like Jesus, but they just wanted to sell me drugs, not make me hate gay people. But he converted to evangelical Christianity from his native Catholicism. Apparently, this disappointed his mother, which I approve of in general. I mean, my own evangelical mother was very upset when I attended a Jesuit university because she thought I was going to... Oh, Dave, try not to become Catholic on us. Don't worry, Mom. Still an atheist. In 1989, Mike ran for Congress in Indiana where he did not do well. In fact, he was caught using his campaign funds for his personal finances, which wasn't illegal at the time, so I guess that says something about Indiana politics in general. But it was enough to make him lose the election. So Pincy Baby did what most failed Republican politicians do. I'm going to be on the radio talking about life. From there, he ascended the ladder of derp 
in an organization called the Indiana Family Institute. You know, anytime you hear the name family in a political organization, they stand for anything but the idea of love. And the IFI, no different, because after the torture and murder of Matthew Shepard, they denounced the protest movement as, quote, homosexual activist propaganda, unquote. He was also the president of the Indiana Policy Review Foundation, where he pinned screeds against global warming, duh, and even against cigarettes causing cancer. Dude, really? I mean, I'm a smoker, and even I don't have the sort of blinkered, philistine fucking ignorance to make that claim. I just accept that I'm going to die of lung cancer. When he finally did make it to Congress, he excelled at the sort of right-wing shitbaggery that we've come to know and love by, by, from the Republicans, but even by their standards, he was something else. He argued that a bill funding HIV research only be approved if it directed funds to helping gay people not be gay. You know, conversion therapy. Or as you might know it, torture that leads to suicide. He even argued that abortion providers should be prosecuted and punished, citing an ancient Roman law where providers of abortion potions be sentenced to work in the mines. This dude just gets what it means to be a conservative, right? So, in 2012, Pence decides that his path to the White House couldn't come out of the House of Representatives because you, you can't really get elected president from the House of Representatives, and runs for Indiana governor and wins. Governor Pence promptly killed a deal that would help millions of children in Indiana get pre-K education. But it was in 2015, as marriage equality became the law of the land, that he gets behind one of the endless processions of religious freedoms bills sweeping the nation at the time. You know, the religious freedom to deny gays their civil rights. That kind of freedom. And damn, you know, Mike, you and this gay thing, I, I, I just gotta say. You know, all the homophobic shit makes you sound super gay. That law blew up in his face. The law was so draconian, so blatant in its discrimination, that businesses began to pull out of Indiana, and the state faced a national mockery and criticism with Pence at the center of it all. His local support among donors started to dry up, and he was well on his way to losing his re-election campaign for governor. To quote from the Rolling Stone article, Pence's bungling of the RFRA and other issues suggest a politician with slow reflexes, a blemish for a congressional backbencher, but a horrifying flaw for a potential president. Osterl and other GOP leaders, those are people in Indiana, began hearing from Republicans that they should primary Pence in 2016. Here are a few other Pence debacles to think about. He snoozed through the rise of the opioid crisis in his state. He effectively defunded a needle exchange ran by lo locales, by local organizations, by tacking on extensive requirements and, fu and cutting funding. He blatantly ignored the northwestern corner of the state, but in Chicago, where the population is largely black and Latino. He even ignored his own little flint in the suburb of Gary, where the, lev le the lead levels were off the chart toxic. Because, you know, brown people. A crisis he learned about, by the way, on the very day Trump picked him to be his veep. So why did Trump pick Pence? Well, come on, fucking Mike looks like a vice president, and that counts a lot with Trump. But mostly because no one else, well, no one else worth having, Chris Christie, would touch the job. Mike Pence wants to be president. Probably because Jesus told him he would be president someday. Why doesn't Jesus ever tell these fuckers to do something worthwhile with their lives, like help sick kids or building houses for the homeless? 
I think Republican Jesus is just a prick. But Mike Pence wasn't ever going to be president because he's just another in an endless line of generic white fuck Republicans. There are thousands of other guys identical to this goofy fuck, all just as hate-filled, all just as racist, and all just as corrupt. So you know you need an angle to rise above the fray. I mean, look at Ted Cruz. He found one. He's a dickhole. But Pence was just too fucking boring to ever stand out, and boring was what Trump wanted. He couldn't have someone who might detract from the glory of Trump. He plucked Pence from relative obscurity because he knew that Pence would walk the walk and talk the talk so he could get his turn at the Oval in eight years. Did he think Trump would win? Probably not. No one did. But being on the ticket elevated his standing and puts him instantly on the 2020 radar even if Trump flamed out. But you know what? What if he won? I think Mike did some back-of-the-envelope math and realized Trump's chances of even finishing four years were probably at best 50-50. If he could steer clear of the fecal material being flung by the RJ, avoid the stench of scandal, and portray himself as the adult in the room, he stood a real good chance of being president without the pesky bother of running for president and losing. Pence is not a good administrator or an executive, but he's a pretty sharp politician. He accepted the VP slot because it has small risk if he plays carefully and big rewards. If, when, Trump flames out, Pence inherits the office with the GOP majority, and if he doesn't fuck up too badly and you know he'll get a fuck ton of latitude, he stands a decent shot of winning the office in 2020 just on the party vote alone. He gets all of the godbotherers, all of the establishment GOP, and maybe just enough Trump evangelicals to squeak out an electoral win a la Trump. I mean, Mike did just set up a pack called the Great America Committee, which he assures us has nothing to do with 2020. Nothing at all, Donnie. You, you can trust him on this. Trust me, believe me, he would never try to undercut you. And I personally believe that Mike Pence will be the President of the United States. I believe this for the following reasons in ascending order of likelihood. Either Trump will continue to do so many stupid things the GOP will have no choice to impeach him. It's about a 15% likelihood. Trump will throw a hissy fit and just quit. 35% likelihood. Or Trump suffers a massive rage stroke while tweeting from his shitter. 50% likelihood. And I think the shitter stroke is the best way for Trump to go. Because in a lot of ways, he's just like Elvis. But what does a President Pence mean for America? Well, Trump is an existential threat. He's a dangerously unbalanced, megalomaniacal moron who might just start lobbing nukes, nukes in a fit of pique. His utter inability to do the job of President will erode our national confidence and undermine our credibility in such a way that it will take decades for us to ever regain a fraction of what it once was. But at the same time, a flailing, ineffectual president embroiled on myriad scandals of his own making, driving people to the Democrats in 2018, and stymieing the GOP's plans to destroy health care and cut essential services from Americans? That's probably a good thing, right? A permanently damaged Trump might just be better than a Pence with the full support of Congress behind him. A Pence that the right wing looks upon as a savior from the orange menace. I honestly don't have an answer to this, but it's a question we need to start thinking about. The consequences of a full-blown Trump blowout could be catastrophic, world-ending catastrophic. But a Pence presidency 
would probably only fuck up America. And honestly, we probably deserve that. In the New Republic, Jeet here makes the case for Pence being a boon to the Democrats in 2018 and beyond. I include his thinking here in the closing because honestly, I wish I'd thought of this myself. Quote, there's no question that Pence, a creature of the religious right, would be a terrible president, although in ways different than Trump. As I argued in mid-November when his meme first took hold on the left, a Pence <laughs> rather presidency would be one particular nightmare. The rule of Trump is another one entirely. To use the language of Dungeons and Dragons, and this is me here, fucking A right, dude. You are, it's why I follow you on Twitter. Back in Jeet's voice. Pence is lawful evil, and Trump is chaotic evil. Trump is more likely to blunder into a nuclear war, while Pence is more likely to push America down the road to a rigid theocracy. The worst-case scenario under Trump is the world of Mad Max, while under Pence, it would be The Handmaid's Tale. But it's a mistake to think that Pence would be more competent or popular president, one capable of enacting the right-wing agenda that has eluded Trump. It's possible Pence would enjoy a honeymoon after taking office, with most Democrats and many Republicans grateful to see Trump gone, but it would only be a honeymoon. President Gerald Ford's brief period of grace after taking over from Richard Nixon in 1974 ended when he pardoned his predecessor. Once Pence tried to implement his agenda, Democrats would remember Pence's complicity in helping Trump become president. Indeed, Democrats would have ready-made 2020 ads showing Pence praising his now disgraced former boss. Unquote. All of this may very well be true. I suspect Pence's GOP would be mortally wounded, like the Republicans after Nixon. The wave election post-Watergate gave us two decades of congressional majorities, but it also set the stage for Reagan, who in turn primed the pump for Trump. I made that term up just now. I don't know the answer here, but I do know that asking us to risk a pence has a price to pay. Ask the women of Indiana how they feel about Pence's anti-abortion laws and the lovely red dresses. Or how gay couples felt about being told they weren't American. Indeed, they weren't even actually human. These are the choices we face in post-Trump America. But really, really, don't get too excited about the impeachment thing. Because it's not going to happen. Not now. Maybe not ever. But definitely not soon. So, uh, sleep tight, America. That is it for our show this week. I want to start by thanking our sister studio in Chicago and the wonderful producer Rebecca for allowing us to record there. It was so much better than here. So much easier on the eyes, if you know what I mean. Stop crying, Gavin, and stop wearing such a tight Pantera t-shirt. Just makes your man boobs look really disturbing. Man, what a crazy fucking roller coaster ride we're on right now. You can set your alarm by the breaking news banner on your phone come 5 p.m. I just start making popcorn at 4.50 in anticipation. It's getting to the point, I'm just going to start doing the show from the top of my head each week. But I suspect that will uh, basically mostly be just me cursing incoherently into a microphone while drinking myself into a stupor. So, uh, hey, basically same show. If you would like to hear others hear a sad, drunk man shout random obscenities, you can direct them to the New York City subway system or rate and review the show on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at the Hell underscore podcast or the show name on Facebook. And all of the shows are at the show name on SoundCloud and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. 
For me, Dave Bledsoe, the disturbingly scantily dressed producer Gavin. Not a good look on you, dude. Not a good... Put, put your shirt back on. It's starting to hurt your chances. And all the other fictional pences on this show, we want to say he will be breaking rocks in the hot sun. Trump fought the law, and it looks like the law won. Stay tuned for Stephen with a P.H. Bannon and Fulcrum. We'll see you all next week. Welcome to Fulcrum, balancing the scales, with your host, Stephen with a PH for legal reasons, Bannon. God, it's fucking hot in D.C. this week. I mean, not just politically, but the fucking weather. My balls are sticking like Velcro to my seat in the West Wing. I don't wear any clothes when I'm working. I just sit in that big leather chair, rosy red ass, sealed on the seat like a toilet, toilet plunger. But my sock gets sweaty, and when I stand up too fast, sometimes it just sticks to the seat, and I take two or three steps, and it snaps free and whaps me in my gut. Hurts like a blazing poker in your dick hole. So, uh, probably going to jail because of this fucking Russia thing. I mean, because that goddamn Jew Rod Rosenstein appointed a fucking special prosecutor. Like to lock that fucker in a shower stall and turn on the... This has been Fulcrum. An objective view of right-wing politics. From the producers of the What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast and Fast Eddie's Podcast Hut Podcast Network. Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.